Hello. Hi. What would you like to have a conversation about? I'd like to have a conversation about Ex Machina. Hello. I am Professor Robert E.G. Black, and this is Minutia Ex Machina. With me today is David Forsyth of Edge of Tomorrow Minute. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Now, my first question is, when did you first see this? It was after theatrical. It was probably even after like first run cable. I, it may not have been until three or four years ago. It was one of those movies that I had wanted to see when it was in the theater and then it escaped me and didn't end up on a like, I want to watch this list somewhere that I could easily <laughs> reference. And so it just kind of got away from me. I might have seen it on an airplane the first time, honestly. Huh. Yeah. It does seem a little... I mean, not that I think, well, the movie is a little risque, I think. Yeah. But I mean, what you don't usually think that you like. I've watched worse on a plane. It's same. Yeah. I think that <laughs> used to be the way they used to cut all the saucy stuff out of movies or yeah. not show them at all. But I don't think that's like that anymore. If you know uh, anime, I recently watched, I guess you pronounce it Gaunt's Zero. Mm. It's this movie where these people are put into sort of a video game where they are attacked by crazy monsters. And that's fine. Sure. You know, it's violent, but not that weird until there's suddenly a monster made up of naked people. <laughs> sure. Uh, this giant. And I'm like, is anyone looking? Okay. No one's looking at my seat. I'm fine. Yeah. I think, you know, when, when they stopped showing one movie for the whole plane, they could get yeah. a little more adventurous, but you still do have that like, okay, who's watching over my shoulder exactly. moment? <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. It's like, is there a kid in the row behind me? Can mm, they see between right. the seats? Yeah. That stuff. And I'll switch to a more pleasant film. I don't know. <laughs> it's all Dumbo from here on out. You're going to make you cry, <laughs> if anything. This movie does have a small enough scale where it could be fine to watch it that way for you, though, because it's basically conversations. Over sure. There. Yeah. There's not a lot of explosion type things that I need yeah. to want to see large special effects budgets or anything like that. Exactly. So it does do a real good job of being convincingly future sci-fi without necessarily looking it, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I have the minute running and just noticed there's light panels in the floor in this bedroom, uh, like around the edge. I'm like, that's kind of cool. It, there's too many light sources in this room then, but that's common in movies. Yeah. I was going to say, I wonder how much of that is the actual weirdo Scandinavian design or was put in for movie lighting. I believe the interiors like this are sets. Oh, okay. Not the hotel. The hotel, the places are actually much smaller. They're tiny little buildings. Right. Because okay. the place is primarily made for you go sleep in there and you spend all your time outside. Right. That would make sense. Although I love those little buildings. Yeah. With the stonework and the glass and everything else. And sort of hidden entrance that mm -hmm. looks like a pile of sticks or something like yeah. that. So yeah, it's good stuff. Unlike this, which is concrete warehouse. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it scratches that uh, sort of brutalist Soviet mm -hmm. <laughs> design aesthetic if you have that in you anywhere. Yeah. Which in the right circumstance, I like those. Sure. So yeah. this movie design-wise, the buildings work for me. Yeah, same, same. It is cold and sort of unfeeling. I don't know. Is that a metaphor? I'm not sure. Probably. <laughs> you know, I'm of that school that like, if you notice a detail, you can fill in enough backstory where it's believable that someone who works on that film did it intentionally because yeah. I like art and I like to think that everyone who works on a movie is an artist at some level. So yeah. 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 I like that idea. Yeah. But who knows how true that is? <laughs> so, <laughs> let me live in my fantasy world, damn it. Exactly. We are still in that bedroom for this entire minute. Yeah. As Nathan has just said, there's something I need you to do for me first. And we cut to the desk and the contract. And I only today realized that I don't think that's a contract. The prop is very strange looking. There's a box up at the top with a bunch of little like black circles on it. Yeah. And then most of the text seems to have random large gaps. 
it's not like where you're filling in your name because it's all over the place. Like some are at the right, some are in the middle, some are at the left. And it's a single page too, right? Yeah. Like the text that he reads out of it sounds very dense and comprehensive. You know, maybe if you if you word it right, you don't need more than a page, but like that type of ironclad, we want to monitor everything sort of contract, I would expect to be more than one page, but yeah, it's a little too simple for what it's supposed to be. Yeah. But it's also, I don't know what it is because I don't recognize this form. Something downloaded from elawyer.com or something. (laughs) (laughs) Those usually look more like letters. Yeah, true. This looks like the page from the middle of a long document. (laughs) Yeah. Not a thing that's itself. Could be. I mean, again, I like to think that everything's away for a reason in a movie, but I mean, maybe they are, I don't know, trying to show that Nathan's expertise extends beyond technical things, right? Like he's just able to draw up these maybe super invasive contracts in, or his, his attorneys are anyway, right? I almost wish it were less contract, like in a, like a minimalist way. Like it's really friendly. You look at this paper and it's this nice little short letter that's like, I agree to this and this and this. Yeah. It's like a header, four lines of text and a place to sign your name. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That would be funny. Because he's making everything so casual and simple yeah. and friendly. Oh, sure. Like overtly friendly. Yeah. And then there's just this weird, dense text. Yeah. You're right. He, I think he is trying to, he's trying to be Nathan friendly, but like when he's like, go ahead, take your time mm-hmm. and then lounges back. I'm like, I'm going to be right here. Yeah. The entire time while you're taking your time. Yeah. Take your time, read it over. He lies on the bed. But then when Caleb hesitates, yeah. You know, signee agrees to regular data audit with unlimited access to confirm that no disclosure of information has taken place in public or private forms using any means of communication, including but not limited to that which is disclosed orally or in written or electronic form. And then he says, I think I need a lawyer. Nathan says it's standard. Yeah. Well, Doesn't feel very standard. Yeah. Okay. It's not standard. And Nathan now gets up from the bed. Goes and sits on the desk. Yeah. So he's not giving him time to really think about this. No, definitely not. He's just making him think he has time. I mean, the pressure of being there while he's reviewing it Mm -hmm. without his lawyer, you know, that's all very... Yeah, he needs his one phone call. Yeah, exactly. It is very passive aggressively, but also the, you know, what we find out later about what Nathan has done to increase his data inputs when he's talking about monitoring all of your communications or you giving him permission to do so. You know, it, it's, it's, I don't know if it's funny in retrospect, you are giving him retroactive permission to do the thing that he's been doing all along to the whole right. world all along. Yeah. Well, which you probably agreed to earlier. Cause you always got to do that long thing where you're yeah. just like, yeah, accept, accept, hit the box, hit. Okay. I don't know what I agreed to. No, no. It doesn't usually end up like South park. You don't get attached to other people and all that. <laughs> yeah. Not usually. I just don't want any big company tracking where I am at all times. Ah, that's just a rumor. They don't really track you. Here he is. Hello, Kyle. We're from Apple. We're all ready for you now. What? Ready for what? To fulfill the agreement. Can we get a weight, please? 83 pounds, sir. What agreement? 83 pounds. Good. Let's get the blood work. Hey, you can't do that. You agreed we could take all the blood we needed. What are you talking about? When you downloaded the last iTunes update, a window on your screen popped up and asked you if you agreed to our terms and conditions. You clicked agree. All right, let's get him to the water tank. The water tank? I'm not going with you. You've agreed to all of this. And the, the clock, I would note really quick. I think it says it's 4.05. So I guess it's the afternoon. Yeah, I was trying to scope that one out, but it, it, it was like too squinty for me. Yeah, it's not very clear. Yeah. It's definitely 05, but it could be a nine, could be a four. Sure. It's not morning. And if you're at that latitude, 
sunshine may not make much of a good time telling device anyway. They're supposed to be in America. Oh, okay. I thought it, 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 uh, it I believe like Alaska or something. I thought it, was the, I don't remember which copy of the script has it. Yeah. I don't remember exactly. Looking at the script. It specifies a place somewhere. Yeah. You'd sort of expect your boilerplate tech billionaire to be Pacific Northwest or Northern California somewhere, but like that amount of open land in Northern California. Yeah. It, it is Alaska. Ah, okay. In the script, the helicopter pilot Jay says Alaska, most beautiful place on earth. Yeah. When they're flying over the estate. Yes. Yeah, so even up there, you'd have some mm-hmm. time trickery based on. I went to summer camp in Alaska and ah. the sun went down, but it didn't have time to get dark right. because the sun was coming up again by the time it yeah. started to get a little dim. Yeah. The spring that we were in, in Iceland, it sort of like stayed low at the same low point all day and then <laughs> went below the buildings for about an hour and then came back up to that same low point. <laughs> I was like, that's annoying. Yeah. It was mostly annoying because like, I didn't have that internal clock that's like, oh, it's getting dark. I should have something to eat. And because you're in Iceland, which is still sort of a small town, essentially, mm-hmm. trying to get food after nine o'clock is not <laughs> possible in some places. So I was at summer camp. So dinner had a yeah. schedule, Yeah, but then right. it was like, wait, you're telling me it's nighttime now? <laughs> I, I don't believe so. you. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. The last night we were there, we all deliberately stayed up all night just to see for sure how dark it got. Mm. And it didn't. Not enough. We weren't even in Northern Alaska. We were outside of Anchorage. Yeah. Yeah. Good enough, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or high enough, I suppose. So when he says I should have a lawyer, mm-hmm. he feels a little bumbly there sort of at that point. And I think in my initial notes, I was thinking that he's being played intentionally a little bumbly, right? Like you sort of get the sense that he's uncomfortable with his reputation, maybe like he isn't sure that he's there because he's the best coder. Mm. So he's a little, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Self-confidence is, is kind of low. Oh yeah. And he's being played for like, is he the dupe? Is he there because he really is capable of administering this test? We find out that he's there it wasn't a contest. He was chosen, but was he chosen because he's good or was he chosen because he's easily duped? Right. And then I know through this, you've sort of brought up the concept of, is he also an AI? And that yeah. I don't know that that had occurred to me watching this on my own. It certainly is an interesting proposition, but I, I don't know if that, that sort of bumbly, like, I, I can't make sense of this. I need my lawyer kind of thing. I don't. Uh, well, uh, yeah, it's kind of weird unless the movie is playing with us. Because in reality, the one AI that passed a Turing test that I know of was essentially pretending to be a foreign 12-year-old boy. Mm. So anytime he said something awkwardly phrased, it felt like a mistranslation or a misunderstanding. Yeah. And so people would believe more likely it was an actual person. But also, as I've said before in the show too, I don't think it matters if he's AI. No. Because as you said, he was picked because he has this particular personality type, particular interests, particular porn profile, as he says later, yeah. that fits the AI he's going to investigate or interrogate rather. Right. And at that point, if you're having two AI interrogate each other, what are you trying to find out? Right. Like, well, do they care about each other? Hmm. Okay. Sure. Like if that's the experiment, it goes really well. And, you know, you have this portrayal of Nathan's history with the AIs that at some point they evolve to a point where they feel trapped and want to get out. Mm-hmm, right. Exactly. And he clearly is this person who doesn't care. Right. So maybe trying to get to AI to bond, they then have a reason to want to stay trapped sort of thing. I don't, I don't really. 
that's very sinister, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could work if, well, yeah, they like each other enough that Caleb wants to stick around yeah. and help out for the next year. Or that they don't want to risk some escape attempt because they want to be there for each other kind mm-hmm. of thing, you know? So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. She'll wait, you know, until she's free properly. So right. they can be together. Right. And all that. But this seems very elaborate. I mean, like Blade Runner 2049 implanting memories kind of elaborate mm-hmm. yeah. sort of thing to, to get Caleb to be an AI. But I, it is an interesting read. It does bring another level to this thing that has all sorts of, you know, mm-hmm. different levels to it anyway. So, yeah. And even then, the whole point is ultimately it won't matter if Caleb's AI. It doesn't even matter if Ava is. True. She is a woman who is being kept in a basement by Nathan. She wants out and he provides a source yeah. who can help her. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Meanwhile, Nathan is lying on Caleb's bed, sitting on his desk and being all intimate as he wants him to sign this contract he needs a lawyer for. Yeah. There's a lot of manipulation and levels. And so I love this. Yeah. I do love that he is clearly being manipulative, but like he almost can't give a shit enough to like disguise it. Yeah. Be sincere about it. Like it's like I'm being the emotional approachable bro. Mm-hmm. You're lucky I'm nice. So that you will do this thing, but I'm not hiding the fact that I'm not really doing that. You know, like yeah. I'm not really that person. Yeah, that's a good dick move right there, honestly. He's not like a mentalist where you know they're doing something, but you don't know what they're doing. Right. It's like he doesn't even know he's doing it. It's just that's how he interacts with people. Right. Which is why he's this horrible, or not horrible, but he's the CEO of this company that lives off in Alaska away from everyone. Yeah. Because he's not going to live with people. And he views people's lives as data points. Yeah. You know, he's he's taking all this private data from all these people and, and doing whatever with it. I don't know enough about their personal lives, but I'd say he is a little more Jeff Bezos where he'd have a crazy ship that he has to take down a bridge for because he doesn't care more than like Bill Gates who's starting a charity with his wife. Right. Yeah. This guy doesn't have a wife. No, no. <laughs> he has a servant who doesn't speak English. That's what he has. Right. Well, yeah, he's got the dumbed down AI. Who, I don't know if she's dumbed down. She's just deliberately, he left some stuff out of her program. So yes, can't right. talk. It, she can communicate because she does. Well, she knows when she needs to tell Caleb something and she shows him that she is AI as well. Yeah. You know, he, he removed the things that he thinks will want her to eventually want to escape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that's totally out of the scope of minute 10, but that's fine. Oh, all right. Because all right. it's the same thing he's doing to Caleb. He's true. True. Put him in a situation where how can he say no? Even the no option is, you know, he says, you know, we can spend the next few days just shooting pool, getting drunk together, bonding. Yeah. And when you <laughs> discover what you missed out on in about a year, you're going to regret it for the rest of your life. That's how our minute ends. Right. I love that for the rest of your life. He sort of dumbs down Caleb in this mm-hmm. point, right? Like yeah. he removes the will for him to want to not sign this thing. So yeah, I guess same, same deal. Like worst case scenario, Caleb's going to see something awesome for a week. And then just isn't allowed to tell anybody until later, but maybe later, you know? Sure. I live in LA. I used to go to test screenings of films all the time. And officially you're not allowed to tell anyone about them. But as soon as that movie's out, you can tell them whatever you want about that previous version. Yeah. If someone else has disclosed it, it's fair game, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a... Uh, it really sets the tone or uh, it doesn't really set the tone. I think Nathan's tone has been set already. This is like reinforcement of, of Nathan's yeah. who he is right here. Well, down in this basement, it's setting the tone for us, though. This movie yeah. is going to be a series of conversations in these cold places. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's some trees and waterfalls later, 
but most of this is going to take place in this concrete and glass. Is there any significance? Maybe I noticed that Caleb never sets that badge down, right? Like he's, yeah, he's still got it in his hand. Yeah. And I don't know what that means. If it's sort of foreshadowing the importance of those badges of the identity of, I don't know, maybe I'm pushing. Well, maybe because as he's reading the contract, he's like tapping it against his head, like he's thinking. Yeah. And so it's it's connecting that badge definitely to who he is and what he's doing there. And when he first picks up the contract, he slips the badge behind it, mm. right? As he sort of like scoops up the contract with yeah. it in his hand and kind of shields the badge behind the contract. Yeah, I don't know. Reaching a little there, I think, but <laughs> well, the, the fact that he keeps it in his hand this whole scene, because yeah. I mean, it's not like they filmed this in one take, right? Yeah, this is multiple cameras in different shots, different setups. Yeah, but either a director choice or actor choice, that card stays in his hand the whole time. Yeah, and I feel like it means something. I don't know who decided it, but I like it. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting to like be holding it that tightly and and not mm-hmm. like it's not even hasn't become as clear to him yet how precious that is to him to his yeah. life in this house but he still is is but it's the only thing he has mm, for the house yeah yeah the only other thing he had his suitcase is over by the bed still where he couldn't get the handle down and left it yeah. alone yeah and nathan is between him and his suitcase him right and his, his old life so all he's got is that card he got outside yeah mm. yeah right interesting the last thing i'll say for this minute is i didn't realize till i had this at my full screen today Caleb's shirt under his suit reminds me a lot of one of Phil Connors' shirts. It's like just basic white with these little tiny blue stripes. Yeah. It's a basic shirt. You know, people have that. Yeah. I don't think I ever had that one, but I think my father may have at one point. Not a stripes guy, so I'm pretty sure I never had one, but yeah, it wouldn't be out of place. It's flashier than like a flat blue, Yeah, right? But it's not flashy. You're right. It's not a big, bold color. That's what I go for. I got like a bright green and a red and more interesting because suits are boring. Yeah. Agreed. But this movie's not. No, it's slow. Even the sort of frenzied moments move a little slowly. Yeah. Even when she stabs Nathan. Right. Very slow stabs. One of the reasons we theorized a few episodes ago for the rating is that that stab mm. is shown close up and slow. Yeah. Not that it's slow motion. It's that she no. stabs him slowly. Yeah. She just kind of slides it in. It's a nice sharp knife. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the, the conversations, the way they unfold. They unfold sort of slowly until there are moments of hurried secrecy. But, you know, even that device, the plotting between moments of power loss unfolds kind of slowly, right? Like we we don't get large plans made and, you know, we don't see the two of them sitting down. It's not a heist. It's not a bunch of steps. It's we're going to turn off the power. Yeah. And I did some computer programming. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Not slow in a bad way. No, no. slow. I agree. Yeah. Plotting, let's say. I like this movie. I'll just put that out there in case it hasn't been been clear. I like it. It's entertaining. It's a think piece. Yeah. I don't know. Now, if the listeners want to hear you talk about some other movies or anything, where can they find you? At the edgeoftomorrowminute.com, we post episodes of Edge of Tomorrow Minute, which is a podcast which talks about the movie Edge of Tomorrow. You get it. It's a whole thing. But a lot of times we talk about other things, but generally there's a lot of Edge of Tomorrow talk there. So yeah, you can come find us there. We've got a a Facebook group that we call No Jacket Required, which is not a Phil Collins fan group. It is is the, the group for our little movie. So come hang out there or just listen to the episodes and tell your friends, you know, that kind of thing. Thank you for listening. Minusha X Machina is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts. 
Tune in every Tuesday for more Ex Machina, every Wednesday for the Groundhog Day Project Minute by Minute, and every Thursday for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute. Follow this show on Twitter at Ex Minutia, Instagram, Facebook, Minutia, Ex Machina. This has been a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com or join the Facebook group Lemming Drops Studio Tour. Also, you can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. Until next time. What imperative does a gray box have to interact with another gray box? Can consciousness exist without interaction? The real test is to show you that she's a robot and then see if you still feel she has consciousness. Hmm. How about this? How about this? Why don't you consent right now? And then I'll let you, like, take it back if you don't feel comfortable later. Right. Right, yeah, that always works out well for people. You agree that Apple may charge your credit card or PayPal account for any products purchased in the iTunes store. By clicking agree, you are also acknowledging that Apple may sell your mouth to the butthole of another iTunes user. Apple and its subsidiaries may also, if necessary, sew yet another person's mouth onto your butthole, making you a being that shares one gastral tract. Hmm, I'm gonna click on decline.